Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show, The Traditionalist. I'm the host, Jack Fowler, the namesake and star. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution, the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. I think maybe not more importantly, but as important, he's still the best-selling author of The Dying Citizen, please visit victorhanson.com. You'll find the link for the book. It's doing really well, getting uh, being very well received. November 7th, if you're interested in, in seeing Victor talk directly about this book with Megan Kelly, uh, that'll be on C-SPAN Book TV starting November 7th. Now, on today's episode, a lot to talk about. We're going to begin with the Virginia governor's race, and we're going to take that on right after this important message. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, The Traditionalist. This is one of uh, three uh, uh, podcasts under the Victor Davis Hanson Show umbrella. I also do The Classicist and the great Sammy Wink talks to Victor weekly 
on the culturalist. Uh, Victor, good to be talking to you. Uh, you know, this this podcast may may be aired on election day, and of all the elections coming up in this quote unquote off year, the biggest one uh, seems to be the Virginia governor's race. It is neck and neck uh, in the polls between Terry McAuliffe, who is a former governor, can only serve one term um, in Virginia, versus the Republican uh, Glenn Youngkin. Um, that's the that th those are the voter polls. The betting polls are a little more than a little more in in McAuliffe's favor. They have him at two to one. Some interesting things have been happening in the last uh, week or so. Both uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden have been campaigning in Virginia on behalf of McAuliffe. Um, Obama attacked um, Youngkin for creating what what Obama called quote phony right wing culture wars end quote. And we'll get to we'll get later in the podcast. We'll talk about whether those wars are phony or not. Um, also, though, Douglas Wilder, who was the first black man elected to a governor in the United States, and that happened in the late 80s or early 90s. I forget. I, I, I was a resident of Virginia when it happened. Uh, Wilder is uh, still around by today's standards, I guess, a conservative Democrat, uh, attacked McAuliffe. Uh, he said he's done nothing about historic black colleges, whereas Youngkin uh, has promised to do stuff for those institutions. But he also attacked McAuliffe for his, some of his bizarre statements, uh, saying, you know, parents really have nothing to say about their kids' education. So anyway, Victor, this big, juicy, meaty race, it, it looks like even if Youngkin doesn't win, it's still maybe a harbinger of bad things to come for the Democrats and for Joe Biden in the 2022 elections. Your thoughts about this race, Victor? Yes. Well, I think a lot of people are looking at it um, for the reasons you said. And I think they're curious about two, three things, Jack. They want to know if somebody who does not resemble a MAGA candidate, and Youngkin doesn't, he's more in the Romney mold, although he's much more adroit politician. But nevertheless, he's not a Trumper. Can he still get the Trump uh, Southern and Western Virginia vote out, number one? Number two, by maintaining that group, can he still get the suburban soccer mom independent back into the Republican fold that Trump supposedly lost in 2020? And can he, like Trump, or more so, make inroads with the, uh, the Hispanic vote, and there's a larger and larger Hispanic vote in Virginia and the African-American vote. And if he can do all three, um, then he's going to win. And he doesn't have to do all three by fantastic margins. He just has to keep his base at Trump levels, who lost the state, I think, by 10%. But he's, okay. got, he's got to get three or four or 5% more independents. He's got to get four or 5% more African-American votes. And I think on questions like the school board, the transgender crisis or disaster catastrophe that happened in the schools and the vaccine mandate, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of those workers are federal workers. Some of them, Jack, have had COVID and they want to know why when they have COVID antibodies, they have to go get injected when there's a slight chance of increased side effects. They want to know why their children might below the age of five have to have a booster. So that mandate that Joe, that, that, mandated vaccination that Joe Biden ruled out earlier 
three or four months ago is is going to hurt him and it's going to hurt him in Virginia. So everybody's looking at this because they want to look at which issues they should emphasize or de-emphasize. Uh, Victor, let's let's um, talk a, a, a little more about Joe Biden. And uh, also, by the way, else the other topics we'll talk about, I know I mentioned them earlier on, is the, um, well, Biden down, uh, Biden not having been to the border since uh, 2008, it seems. Uh, we have the national strategy on gender and equality. There is a, a bunch of new Scott Rasmussen polls that I think belie this attack that Obama has about you know, phony right-wing culture wars. It may be phony to Obama, but they, they don't seem to be phony to a, a strong majority of Americans. And, and if you're up to it, Victor, uh, Anthony Fauci and dogs. I really, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but I think we should, we should talk about it. Um, so Victor, let's, you know, let's talk about Joe Biden. Um, and let's begin with the, with his border visits or non visits. And, and then we should go into this national strategy on gender equity and equality. Um, yeah, I've been to the border. Well, it turns out Jen Psaki, I think even admitted that that Joe Biden was there when he was campaigning in 2008. Now, Victor, we know he's been over the border, right? He flew <laughs> over the border with Hunter in his airplane to go, to go down to Mexico and and maybe uh, you know wrangle up some some bucks for for Biden Inc. But yeah, what 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 do you say about a man who's running for president and who is president who has not gone to um, you know America's border where there is truly a crisis happening and has been happening for for for, for years. Well, we do. First of all, he doesn't know where he he may have been there and didn't know it. But he's from what we know, he's never been to the border, not as senator, not as vice president, not as Hunter's bag man, not as president. And yet he lies about it. He said, well, I visited there when I drove by and waved at it, I guess. Anything he says now is not factual. It really isn't. Take, you know, if you got your passport, just go to the Kabul airport, get on a train, a plane, you'll be happy. Or, you know, I came in here and there was nobody vaccinated. I started the vaccination program. They're all my, that's my program. That kind of stuff, you know, we're still gonna stop whipping these these people at the border. Come on now, man. So he, he's not he's not factual and, and we go back and forth in this, Jack. And the non-composmentous issue is really not the issue. The issue is that a plagiarist and a person who lied about his resume and a person who's uttered utterly racist um, diatribes, and a person has serially harassed women and harassed them really, to be honest, underage, right. uh, has this veneer torn off by old age. So old Joe Bo Biden from Scranton now is old Joe Biden unleashed. He's like that great uncle of yours, you know, that all of a sudden he was kind of avuncular and nice and all of a sudden in his 90s he starts saying crap then you realize he was never a nice person to begin with right and so that's what it, that's what he is so he doesn't care about the border all he's what we're talking about is people in his party have said to him you are not to Remember this, Joe, you do not enforce federal immigration law. We want 2 million people a year. We want them to go on federal entitlements. They are the basis for flipping new states. You just do that, we'll, we'll ship them out at night. We don't care. In a real, finally, Jack, in a sane world, 
where it says the president shall faithfully execute the laws, he would be impeached. And we'll see what the, the Republicans do when they come into power and they follow the Democratic new precedent that in your first term, when the opposition party seizes the House, they impeach you, maybe not twice, like the Democrats did. But if you ever, I, I can't think of a president who just said, I'm not going to enforce the law, yeah. period. And that's, that's an impeachable offense. And so that is a high crime and misdemeanor not to follow the law. Right. And so we'll see. So that's the issue, I think, that he doesn't want to get near the border. He's been told to let in anybody and everybody. We've got a huge caravan that's approaching. They've already vowed they'll use violence if they have to to break through. And it's a lose-lose political issue for him personally and for his party. And they keep doing this, pushing things, new Green Deal, cutting back on gas and oil, uh, pushing critical race theory that all do not pull 50%. And we've discussed why that is, incompetence or just delusional uh, belief that, you know, it's, it'll be popular someday or cynicism. We got to get this agenda, you know, before the wolves come over and find out who we are. And, you know. Well, maybe I'm going to ask you to repeat these uh, sentiments again, uh, Victor, but instead of going talking about this national strategy on gender, which we will, let, let me raise some of these, some recent polls. So Scott Rasmussen, who I'm, I'm very fond of Scott, a friend, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know Scott. Um, he has conducted a, like daily, these, a, a string of polls of you typically have a thousand registered voters. I'm just going to read the, the principal result. And, and two polls are a backdrop of, of how most Americans think of America, as we, you know, we're taught to think about. And he says, uh, he finds that 70% believe America is founded on noble ideals of freedom, equality, and self-governance. And then another poll, 72% of Americans believe equality of opportunity is a fundamental American principle a quality of outcome is not. So this is a backdrop to these other polls. Three, first, 65% of Americans believe the federal government is actively working to get more power and control over lives of everyday Americans. 73% see the federal government as a special interest group that looks out primarily for its own interests. 72% believe the IRS already collects too much information and thinks more privacy protections are required. Victor, I think those numbers are pretty significant. They are, and and this is but and this is into what the Biden or they call it the Biden Harris administration are trying to push this agenda that clearly is out yeah. of sync with America. And and they're not new. I mean, when I wrote the Dying Citizens, one of the things I did when I outlined the book is to see what people really upset about as far as their citizenship, and one of them was the administrative state, i.e., the IRS and these permanent bureaucracies. So we, he started with the idea that he should have been very careful, but yet today Merrick Garland is on television being grilled by U.S. senators, and it's pretty clear that some staffers at a pretty high level cooked up the idea that this was embarrassing optics for the president and that they wanted it stopped. They wanting, they being the federal government in the form of the White House and the relevant cabinet agencies, and they wanted it stopped. They don't want people come in and question critical race theory or transgendered issues or suggesting that a school board covered up a rape 
palaccio sodomy of a young girl just because the guy had a dress on and the same yeah. and that may have happened on two separate occasions and so what happened was and this is just a long excursus about why people are angry in the polls that you related the people in the white house then communicated uh, with the National School Board Association, and they cooked up this letter, and they they tried to be psychodramatic and got, you know, Patriot Act, da da da, da to domestic terrorists, and then they gave it to Merrick Garland, being the little kiss ass that he is. Oh, and this is a good, this is a good chance for me to shine and get rallying points with Joe Biden. And so he then he sent, you know, he he sent this letter and sick the FBI out and etc. 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 But it's again a sign of unelected people that are acting as judge, juries, and executioner with enormous federal power. And we've talked about Comey and Clapper and Brennan and Mueller and McCabe and Milley, and they're all, and Fauci, and now Garland. And so this is what's really scaring people. They are saying to themselves, I don't like these people, A. I don't like to be lectured by Milley. I'm sick of Fauci's lies. I don't like Merrick Garland, with a, you know, deer in the headlights. I don't like these people. And they got too much power and they're trying to destroy the country that I love and my own personal options, my freedoms. And so it's not going to get better for Joe Biden. And my only you know, mystery is, do the Republicans have a contract for America-like agenda that they're ready to hit the ground, even though they don't have the presidency? They may well take the House and Senate and can they give a list of counter issues? Can they say, we are going to pump 12 million barrels? That's our goal. We are going to stop cold any funding for critical race theory. That's our goal. We are going to filibuster our stone. We can't filibuster on the judicial point, but we're going to filibuster all of these radical ideas. We are going to stop these judicial nominees that are hard left. If they've got it, and they will be in good They'll be in a good position in 2024. But if they do what they did when Trump came in and said, well, we kind of want to reform, kind of get rid of Obamacare. We can't, we campaign, but we really don't know what we're doing. And good old John McCain, I don't want to say anything bad about him, but he might just derail the whole thing. <laughs> that was what their attitude was, lackadaisical. And they'll really blow it if they if they don't have a counter, a counter agenda. I, uh, I sense a uh, Victor Davis Hanson column coming on someday about what that agenda should be. Um, Victor, maybe, you know, I wanted to talk about this Garland issue on yet another podcast we, we do, but I'm, let's just switch it here a little, a little more, if you don't mind, uh, with some of the stuff that came. So today there was hearings in, on the Senate and uh, two senators in particular just um, I gave it to him, uh, reading a, a piece on this uh, by a um, national, former National Review colleague, uh, Carolyn Downey, who's done great stuff on this critical race theory. Uh, she, she's writing um, uh, Tom Cotton uh, went after him about, you know, the, the Loudoun County uh, sexual assault, uh, told um, uh, Garland that he, this was shameful. And thank God you're not on the Supreme Court. You should resign in disgrace. Love Tom Cotton. The facts are that, you know, this 19 state board groups have now told uh, a nonprofit organization called Parents Defending Education that they disagreed with this, this uh, national group letter that came out brandishing parents as, you know, uh, you know hate, hate criminals, um, asked uh, by uh, Ben Sass, 
Um, like, why did Ohio pull out of this? You know, Mr. Garland and Garland responds, you know, I don't know. And uh, Sass attacks back because this was political uh, hackery. But it's amazing in the face of, of the of the really bad news that has come out on on this one particular issue um, that Garland, maybe it's not amazing, uh, but there's there's no backing down uh, here. And I, I don't know, I connect the dots at least locally to the Virginia Senate, <laughs> the Virginia governor's race. Uh, there just seems to be a political ham-handedness all around, but a real sense of ideology. See, what we're talking about, Jack, is that if you're on the right, you get up in the morning every day and expect to be trashed, misrepresented, uh, caricatured, smeared, slandered by the media. And that's in addition to the opposition party. And so you're careful. That's called deterrence. I don't like it myself. It happens to me every day. But when I write something, I pick up my email, I get hate mail. Right. I even post some of them under the angry reader. You've done I get a few. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get opposition. So that makes me think. I'm going to be very careful what I say because I this is I don't pull punches, but I'm prepared for it. Right. The left gets up every morning thinking I can do whatever I, I want. Yeah. Excuse right. the language. I can just do it, and the media will make the necessary adjustments to cover. And that's what's happened to them all. They've got it's like an athlete that doesn't work out. They're flabby. So this Garland character thinks, you know what? Here's coming on my desk. I'll just get the FBI and say I'm Mar Merrick Garland, uh, AG of the United States. Here, look at this buzzword, domestic terror. Look at FBI. Ha ha. You guys will snap to attention. And the media will. And now all of a sudden it doesn't quite work that way because people are fed up and there's a populist revolt against all of this. And so they've overreached. And now the media who has destroyed their reputation, all polls show that they're their polls are below 30% in many cases. Right. They they don't know what to do and they're not quite as helpful and obsequious. They're obsequious, not quite as much as they were. And these people are not used to it. And so whether it's General Milley with that arrogant attitude, you know, white, I'm investigating white rage and, you know, this was a, a ju just, you know, attack on that, uh, that, that drone strike, you know, this is, did it with just, it was righteous. And all of this crap, they just say things because they think everybody's going to cover for, nobody's going to cover for you anymore. And so they're exposed. And when Garland, he, he couldn't say anything. Remind me of James Comey. I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> Call somebody else. Just like Clapper, just like Brennan, just like Mueller, just like McCabe, just like Strzok, just like Page. They're all used to having that cocoon around them. And then when it's not there, it's they're, they're empty, hollow people. Right. And Garland's a joke. He was He's just the same fantasy as Joe Biden. Good old Joe from Scranton. Good old Merrick Garland. He got a raw deal. He should have been on the court. He was a great right. moderate. No, right. he was always an Eric Holder type operative. And now he, right out of the gate, he told us that. He showed us that. And he... If he had any integrity, he would said, the attorney general is not a partisan person. I got pressure from the White House to go after political, appointee, uh, political appointments on the prompt 
of a teachers union dash national school board association dash leftist organization i cave for a while and i made a mistake and i'm going to resign and that's what he should do and there's no chance in hell he'll do that right and victor as you as you just mentioned we talked about on many other podcasts uh, the culpability and the justice that just doesn't seem to happen not on this planet to folks who uh, engage in in uh, criminal acts, or hey, they they try to you know ruin a presidency, and they they end, end up getting away scot free with a pension. It's remarkable. Uh, someone else who seems to be getting away possibly with perjury. Uh, we could talk about that. I I, I can't make a legal accusation. I'm, I ain't no lawyer, but Anthony Fauci, who clearly denied and in congress sworn congressional testimony when directly questioned by Rand Paul about gain of function United States taxpayer dollars being used for gain of function uh research at the very Wuhan lab that that likely brewed this pathogen that's killed a godly number of people said it didn't happen of course the evidence came out now it did it did happen but I think you think and I certainly think for that He's not going to pay any price. Uh, but news came out earlier over this past weekend, and I don't mean to make, make light of this, um, but about a, a National Institutes of Health or whatever you know the institution he he formally former formally runs, engaging in just kind of barbaric research of dogs, of beagles. Just, I mean, too ghastly, gruesome to to talk about uh, what they've done to this. I, I kind of think, you know, maybe, that, maybe. Who are you to judge? Who are you to judge, Jack? That put, uh, taking out the vocal cords of a beagle so it can't cry in agony as you lock its head in a cage and let it be eaten by sandflies is not important for scientific research. Come on. Michael Vick went to jail for how many months because he, he bred, uh, you know, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're Look at Mitt Romney had his campaign almost destroyed on the accusation that he put his dog in a cage on top of the house. Come on. So, yeah, I mean, we've gone over Dr. Fauci. Donald Trump made a, an existential error when he, he's a very bright guy and he knew that Anthony Fauci was a partisan, was a deep state operative, and had not had a distinguished uh, career, and was a practitioner of what we call the noble lie, the platonic, right out of Plato's Republic, you know, the Ganeos pseudos. And it, it was the idea that the people are so stupid that every once in a while uh, we have to say things that are untrue and we do that for their own good so anthony fauci said we don't need masks they're not important and then when he started to urge them they said but you said to so well i just lied because you foolish idiots would have gone out and hoarded them and then the doctors wouldn't have them 60 70 we talked about this with herd immunity he kept raising the bar because if he's told what he thought would achieve herd immunity, he was afraid people wouldn't be vaccinated. And the same thing on gain of function. Had he told them the truth that this, there was no way in the world this came from a pangolin or a bat. They didn't have one case in nature, a thousand miles away, a bat gets it. And then somehow the virus, what, 
is time traveled into Wuhan without one animal on the way getting infected? Come on. And then people dropping dead in Wuhan from a bat in a cave way away. Everybody knew that it was from the virology lab. It was right there. They knew the Chinese military was involved. What we didn't know, though, and here's my point, that the United States government, under the aegis of Anthony Fauci, director of, you know, uh, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, was funding them, 600,000 to Batwoman or Bat Lady on all hidden, if I could use that term, by re being rerouted through Echo Health. Then we had this Peter Daszak character who tarred, slandered, smeared people. And I, and I say that as one who was. I wrote an article and Axios Magazine went after it. And this writer claimed that I was stupid and I was an idiot that all of the people that she consulted said it was no way could it have been engineered gain of function. The DNA proved that it was all a lie. And that was the group think that he cooked up and then he got the Lancet to run a quote unquote investigation under his aegis where he stalked the committee. And then he went over there and the Chinese said, you know, no can do. We're not going to give you any money. Not going to happen. We're not going to give you any access. We're not going to give you any documents. We're not going to give you anything. And then they came back and said, well, you know, it's kind of sort of still think it's kind of maybe a natural thing, but the Chinese were kind of sort of maybe uncooperative. And then the whole thing blew up. He should have been fired. Trump should have put his arm around him, as I said earlier, and said, you know what? You had a wonderful career. We are indebted for 50 years of public service and we're going to miss you, but we won't have you around tomorrow morning. And he would have had a lot of Anthony Fauci, as we know from those redacted emails, that trove, he was contacting everybody. He was on MSNBC. So he was always undermining uh, Donald Trump in general and Scott Atlas in particular. Every he was, and everybody knew it. And he should have. And he did the same noble lie thing, if you remember, way back, a long, long time ago in the 80s when we were all terrified of AIDS and nobody knew what it was. Right. And he started floating the possibility that it could be a heterosexually casually transmitted disease. And there was pretty good evidence that it was confined mostly to three categories of IV drug users, Haitians, and homosexuals. And he didn't want that to be canonized because he felt in noble life fashion that if it were, then people would say, well, I'm not very sympathetic to IV people and, you know, homo, you know, they were homophobic or right. Asian, that's their problem. I'm more worried about whether, but if you say that, you know, Jane, my 16 year old daughter might go out with Bill, her 16 year old boyfriend and kiss once and come home with AIDS. Oh my God, we got to pour money into it. Now, maybe that was a noble thing to do, but that's a noble lie, noble lie. Right. And he's been a practitioner his entire life. I'm sure he's going to say if he's pressed on the beagles, he'd say, you know what? I did not want to do it, but I had a choice to make. It was life or death for millions of people. So I, I chose to have these poor animals um, killed, but I saved a lot of people. It was a noble thing to do. And I had to lie about it because if I had told you the truth, uh, you know, PETA and all you groups would have been so outraged that thousands of people would have died because we couldn't have liquidated and tortured and maimed and mutilated these puppies. That's how he operates. Yeah. Well, still, I, I hold out hope that a nation of uh, dog lovers might might be the ones that uh, bring this guy to some degree of, of justice, uh, although I, I, I'm doubtful. Um, Victor, one last um, 
topic before we we wrap up. Um, this is the f the fact that the the White House, again the Biden Harris administration, um, has put out a national strategy on gender equity and <laughs> equality. So as we just talked about before, you know, insanity at the border and in any number of you could you've done a laundry list of of uh, of insanities of, of affecting uh, America, and yet we have. Are the the um, psychological and political capital uh, to put out um, this statement? It's not only statements; it's a it's a, it's a large uh, report. I, I'm just going to read the very initial um, part of it, not the whole report, just the statement. President Biden, Vice President Harris, believe that advancing gender equity and equality is fundamental to every individual's economic security, safety, health, and ability to exercise their most basic rights is also essential to economic growth and development, democracy and political stability and the security of nations around the globe, ensuring that all people, regardless of gender, have the opportunity to realize their full potential is therefore both a moral and strategic imperative. You know, I like how all these things eventually get cast as national security. A lot of this about women and girls, especially um, women and girls of color, at the end, they're caboosing onto this. Of course, we also mean, you know, LBGTQ. The last thing I'll say, Victor, before you comment is last night, and again, we're recording on October 27th, I was watching Gutfeld and um, one of the guys on the show, oh, the wrestler, oh, I can't remember his name, Tyrus. Uh, Tyrus, yeah. Yeah, Tyrus was going, you know, about this very issue as well. Um, you know, the, the, there, the, there's a 60-40 split now between women getting accepted to college versus men. I mean, men are dying five years earlier. Men, Gutfeld brought this up, men were 50% more likely to die from COVID uh, than, than, were, than were women. So uh, anyway, this comes in the, in, uh, this is report is put out in the backdrop of all these, these other uh, terrible things afflicting our nation right now. It seems to be a priority for this administration. What are your thoughts? Well, this, this crazy White House gender, gender equity plan, it was just like the infrastructure bill. Everybody's for infrastructure. And then they threw everything but the, kid, the, the kitchen sink that could not stand on its own merits. So in this bill, I think they even got rid of, I read it, they got rid of cash bail, didn't they? And they said, you know, it's, it's against women of color that they might be arrested and therefore they, they wouldn't have cash. So they could they should be turned loose immediately. So they put every imaginable race, class, gender, uh, hot button issue that had zero public support because they're leftists and that's what leftists do. They always say that they have superior morality and their superior uh, moral ends justify any means necessary to achieve them. And the means are to, to hoodwink the public by saying, are you against infrastructure? Are you against gender equity? You sexist? And if you say, no, I'm not, well, then here's the bill. And then you look at the bill and it has very little to do with what it says it has to do, but everything with a wider agenda. What is that wider agenda? It's mostly an equity agenda and the broadest sense of the word. By that, it means an equality of result in terms of class, race, gender, etc. And if it's not exactly equal, that is on the back end, 
then somebody is racist or sexist or homophobic and the government's duty is to use its resources to fix it with one or two qualifiers. And that is if there's 60% of women in college and there's 40% men as a result of all of these weird policies the last 40 years, well, then that's not that's that, that's exempt because that's report repertory in 1880 there wasn't in 1910 there wasn't so we're going to have 60 40 from now on and if you have a situation where the nba is 76 percent african-american well that's okay we don't believe in disproportionality or disparate impact in this case because you know what we're making up for 1948 or 53 or 61 well that's how they operate and you can never, I mean, what they say is in a bill is not in a bill. And when they talk about border security, my favorite term is comprehensive immigration reform. That is a euphemism for amnesty. It always mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And, and, you know, undocumented migrants, people that just happened to wake up one morning and they were going across the United States and they said, oh, my God, I forgot my papers. Now I'm undocumented. I was documented, but now I'm undocumented. And you think, no, you never had any papers and you're not a migrant that just goes back and forth. You're an immigrant and you're a person of a foreign nation. You're called an alien uh, from Latin, not of this place. And you are illegally entering my country. So that's what, that's what we're dealing with. And it's very hard to combat because as soon as you try to bring facts to their attention, then you're racist. You're racist. <laughs> and everybody's tired of it. And the question that we all don't know what's happening, we all don't know if in our little cubicle or little office or tiny little community at the water pool, or you name the time and place, if we're crazy, or that there's millions of us that are small little volcanoes that are about to erupt, and they're going to say to themselves, not this pig, non hic porcus, no more. Not in the 233rd year of this republic. Are we going to hand you on a platter, the United States, and have you desecrate it, destroy it, smear it, slander it, misrepresent it, and then hijack it? Not going to happen. And we'll see if that anger is collective or whether they've so institutionalized these changes in the government and the demography that they can't be changed. But I have a feeling that they're going to have a tsunami uh, next year in the midterms. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do well in three years at the presidential level. And I think they're going to see a lot of increased demonstrations because these, as we said earlier, these crises are becoming existential. When you don't have things on the, the shelf and you're paying $5 for gas and you can't walk out side in downtown San Francisco or Portland or New York or Los Angeles at night. And you don't really know uh, whether the person who's broken into your house is a 10 time felon who was let out. Right. And you that, know that morning. Yeah. yeah, that morning. So the system or, you know, you can't you look at these ships and they're not being unloaded or you have certain people that routinely deliberately break the law and they feel that they're exempt from it. I don't think, I think a lot of people say this system's not working. It's not ideological anymore. It's just not working. And we either stop it or it's going to eat it. It's going to devour us.
Well, those aforementioned uh, Rasmussen polls, I think, show that there is a, uh, you know, there's a um, well pool of, of uh, potential uh, uh, forces there to, to combat, but they, they need to be um, uh, organized and, and led. Uh, the, all that said, Victor, we're running out of time, but we have a few things of business we have to uh, mention. One is that you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Angry Reader, and I don't know if all our listeners know that Angry Reader is one of the features of VictorHanson.com. I want to recommend that our listeners visit the site regularly because you'll find all sorts of links there to other places where not only these podcasts, but other podcasts you've been on or your appearances on, on various radio shows, et cetera. Um, it's, there is a treasure trove and a, a voluminous amount of original material that, is, that you've written that can only be read on victorhanson.com. A, a membership is very reasonable. It's five bucks a month. $50 a year, stick your toe in the water, try the, try the $5 special, and, and you, will, you will find a lot of material there. I just want to say, as for me, I am the director of the Center for Civil Society, which is centerforcivilsociety.com, at American Philanthropic, and I encourage our listeners maybe to check it out because we're trying to strengthen civil society, and I write a weekly email newsletter called Civil Thoughts, civilthoughts.com check it out free no there's no obligations etc um third thing victor so two things about the book one um you know we do read we read all the comments that people post at uh, at itunes but today i want to read one that somebody posted on amazon about the dying citizen and it's by a, a gentleman uh tony meyer and he gave the book five stars, which is you know rating system system on Amazon, and, and he described this. It's titled "The Greatest Intellectual of Our Times." I don't know if Mrs. Hansen can tolerate your I, your, I, her being married to. I, I, I can't tolerate it. <laughs> well, this is what Tony Meyer writes: "Slam dunk." Victor Davis Hansen is the most outstanding intellectual of our times. He is a Renaissance man, being a top classicist, premier historian and perceptive political commentator of our changing world. And all this rolled into one with his deep understanding of current events and his vast understanding of history. Victor Davis Hanson delineates our caste system, so to speak, and its history. It is not a nice word to pigeonhole someone, an intellectual in today's world. So I use that word sparingly, but with Victor Davis Hanson, I utilize that word with admiration. When Professor Hanson speaks, I listen, he inspires me to learn and study, plus ask questions. I say to everyone, bon appetit, as you feast on this new classic of Victor Davis Hanson, even if you don't read this masterpiece, at least make it part of your library. And this is what I love how this ends. Together with Thucydides, Winston Churchill, Mark Twain, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Thomas Jefferson, and the other great writers also belongs Victor Davis Hanson. Thank you for that, Tony Meyer. And 165 people found that helpful. By Thank the way, this, there was one other person had something to say about your uh, your book. And I on DonaldJTrump.com, Donald J. Trump, who happened to have been the previous president of the United States yesterday put up a little thing. It's a great new book by Victor Davis Hanson, The Dying Citizen. Nobody better at explaining the disaster of what is happening in the USA. A must read. Um, so that's nice. <laughs> very, that was very nice. And yeah. uh, the book is doing very well now that it's, uh, it's recovered from its mysterious and still inexplicable out of stock, uh, don't kind of 
warning sign, don't buy it on the second day it was out for about two weeks. Now it's apparently magically in stock, even though the publisher swears and is correctly swearing that there were thousands of copies when it was supposedly out of stock. I guess that... uh... That container ship was one of the first ones. Yeah. That but it, it's a, <laughs> it's, it'll be a tortoise book. It'll keep going rather than a hare that tires. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, it's a, a evergreen. And so folks do, the, you'll find a link for that, for the book on, on victorhanson.com. So uh, to all who listen, thank you to those who have left uh, reviews at uh, iTunes and, and, and your stars, which the average is still, it's 5.0. Victor, I don't think anyone, you could not possibly have a higher average on, on iTunes than, than uh, your podcast uh, has, and it's quite deserved. So thanks for folks who leave the, leave the star ratings and those who leave the messages, we do, we do uh, read them. Uh, we will be back again. I will be with Victor on, on another episode of The Traditionalist and also The Classicist. And do listen also to the great Sammy Wink on The Culturalist. Thanks all for, for listening. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see you again soon, or we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see everybody or hear everybody or talk to everybody very soon. Mm-hmm.